Uh, Brian Morton, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Um, you are, uh, <laughs> you're welcome, man. This was, uh, this is, I feel like I'm making the rounds here at Laugh Factory. I know you did Curtis, then Matt, and now me. And now, and now you, man. You're like a mysterious, so I was looking forward to this because you're a little bit of a mysterious figure, I think, here at the Laugh Factory, at least to me. That's funny. I've heard this before. Yeah. Like you're, uh, you're kind of like a, you're kind of like a, just a, a, you're not, it's not, I wouldn't say you're quiet is not really the right, right way to put it, but I feel like you're more like, um, you're subdued people, a little bit. People say hard to read. That's a good I way. That that's a, a good way. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I get serial killer and hard to read. Those you gave me two, some feet. Uh, the first time I ever did anything at the Laugh Factory Chicago, I did an open mic. This was like three years ago now. And uh, I got off stage and I did, I, I, I did, well, I did, the first time I talked to you was not the first time I was at the Laugh Factory. I did an open mic and then a week or two later, I did the open mic again. Okay. And that time I came over and was like, uh, trying to get some feedback, and you were like, "You're really funny, man." Um, that German stuff. Try to branch out, and like I did this like German impression stuff, and I was like, and you said it to me with almost no smile on your face, and I was like, "What does this mean?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't know. I was, I didn't, about, I didn't know how to take it. <laughs> I was thinking about like giving feedback. I, I feel weird about it. It took a long time for me to actually feel comfortable giving feedback. I still feel fucking weird about it, to be completely honest. Like, it's still not a great thing. I feel like yeah. there could be, uh, there could be times where. Uh, I'm not a comic, so I look at people that are doing comedy. I'm like, okay, do you want to actually listen to what I'm saying? Am, am I wasting my fucking time? Uh, like, so I started doing the open mic maybe, I don't know, two years ago now I started running it. A year and a half ago, I started just running the open mic myself. Got I, it. I don't know like if Curtis was running it then when you did it. He, um, he was kind of in and out, I think. Yeah, so I started running it full time, like, and I'm here pretty much every Wednesday now to run it. And uh, I think it's... I think it's interesting to give comics feedback to see who actually does stuff with it, and you know, see and they yeah, yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Do you pay attention to that? That's that's what's interesting is that I was talking to this, I was talking to Bert about this, I talked to Curtis about this. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this is that you, you, you see such a cross section of comedians from so many different, at so many different levels, and uh, and you've been here a while, so you've seen, you've had a width and breadth sort of of experience with comedians. But I'm curious, what do you see? That like, I mean, first of all, do you remember everybody? And second, what do you see that kind of stands out for you in terms of like people either, like you just said, who maybe take uh, feedback or people who like what what do you notice when you notice comedians? Remembering everybody is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's so fucking hard to remember everybody. There, have you ever heard of Dunbar's number theory? Uh, there's a yeah, yeah. This is the let me see if memory serves here. Dunbar's number theory is that the human brain is programmed kind of hardware to only really have a group of about uh, 200-ish people yeah. that they can ever really keep track of. Yeah, it's in between 150 and 250. And I, uh, man, I'm on the low side of that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> because at, like, <laughs> at, what, at 150, I'm like, yeah, I don't even know if I can get that. But I try I try to remember everybody, you know, especially at the open mic. It's one of those things that I, uh, I watch... I watch 15 new people every Wednesday and yeah. it's pretty rare that it's, you know, cons people do come pretty consistently. Like yeah. there'll be like a hand, you know, smattering of people that'll come every, every other Wednesday or once a month or whatever. Yeah. But still it's pretty much 15 new people. Then you include like any other show that I do here and like I manage every Wednesday and that's five new comics on verified laughs. Oh yeah. Younger comics usually that I'm meeting or I'm trying to like, 
so I do try to remember everybody, but it is hard. Like, yeah, it's definitely <laughs> this is so. But you must have decent facial recognition or something, or or you've mastered the art of appearing to at least have some recognition of somebody. Because I I remember for the first like uh, man, probably almost even a year that I was showing up here, I would see you and I'd be like, hey man, and you'd give me <laughs> you'd give me like a like hey, and like your face said. Like, maybe I know you, but I was like, should I introduce myself again? Or like, yeah. <laughs> for probably the better part of a year, I was like, uh, 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 hey, Brian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I never, I, I don't know how to like take it when people act like that towards me a lot of times. Cause I'm like, uh, usually, no, I don't remember you, but if, <laughs> sometimes I do, you know, and uh, like, if, what's helping me now is doing the open mic because I have to look at people's names over and over again. So like when I'm, you know, taking, I take notes on everybody. So I'm looking at people's names consistently. Yeah. You have that over. binder, man. Yeah. So I'm just, that helps a lot with remembering people. I mean, then you got to understand there's all the headliners then there's all the comedians that don't yeah. even work here that i follow that i'm like because i'm a fucking comedy nerd on oh top yeah of, that, of course you know? so i have like a i'm pretty good in new york and la you know so i have like everybody there and then i know people from like the denver scene and the portland scene oh and yeah like, so in toronto and like everywhere so it's hard to keep track you're, of see, you're, you're you're crushing that dunbar's number man yeah i don't know i don't think so i think like uh you know i've you know, exited out my whole family to replace them with comedians. <laughs> <laughs> so I can barely, you know, my sister's birthday yesterday. I'm glad. Jesus, I man. It, so. I have 27 first cousins. I like wow. totally know. My girlfriend is like 30, 31 or 32. That's insane. It's, it's totally nuts. Like I've, her extended I have six family's. siblings. You have six siblings? Yeah, Are so you, where do you fall? In the middle. You're in the middle? Yeah. You feel like a middle child. Yeah, but I'm kind of an only child. <laughs> Oh, are you four years apart from like in either direction or? Well, sort of, but uh, I didn't meet my dad until I was 17. And that's when I met uh, three sisters and two brothers. And oh I, my I, gosh. Grew, I grew up with one brother, but he's seven years older than me. Oh, wow. So like by the time I was 11, he was out of the house. That is so interesting, man. Yeah. So you grew up, you were until 17. You didn't, you had never met your dad. Yeah. I never did you hear stories about him or did you hear like, or what was your experience of that? Yeah, well, uh, I mean, like, uh, he he left, you know, he, uh, complicated story, but he left before I was born, and then I had known he was a doctor, like, in the city that I grew up near. I grew up mm. in upstate New York. Got it. And I, uh, I knew that he was a doctor there, so I, like... I think I tried to get a hold of him at 14 and then at 17 I got my first car and I drove to his doctor's office like five times before to like make him meet me. What? <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. he wait? Do, you went there five times. Yeah. The, on the fifth time he finally like met with me. He didn't. He didn't. He refused to meet with you four times. I think it was like a lot for him. You know, he was he was going through a divorce uh -huh. uh, and like all of a sudden, you know, this kid that obviously he knew about because he sent child support. But he just i just started showing up at his office and so he was, he like, was like oh my god yeah i can imagine from his per first of all that's a huge that feels like very mature of you that speaks to a level of maturity that you have which almost would preclude you from being in the world of comedy <laughs> it's by know, by maybe. empathizing with your father <laughs> you didn't see for some that's like amazing man like uh i think you know i it's i you know it's been 15 years since i met him so yeah it's like do you talk to him at all now yeah yeah yeah. him and my mom are actually back together what yeah are you fucking kidding me no. this is this has got like a tv show yeah this yeah. is unbelievable yeah they, it's weirder too i haven't talked about this in the podcast before but my stepdad who raised me 
he committed suicide. Whoa. And after that happened, uh, like, you know, a couple years later, my mom and my dad started talking again. Wow. Yeah. So like this is wow, man. Yeah. So it's been it's and then they just got married last year or you know, the beginning of this. And year, did you January were you at that wedding? Yeah. What? Yeah. What was that like for you? I, I mean, I it's not like everybody expects it to be like, oh, my God. Like, so it's I'm just happy. My mom's happy and my dad's yeah. happy. Like, yeah. that's all I care about. I, yeah. It's not anything like uh I don't feel like that, like, oh, my God, like, that warmness, like, yeah. whatever you're supposed to. You're I, just kind of like, at I'm, this point, you're probably, I yeah, mean, this I'm is like, so much different. They've both yeah. been through so much fucking shit that I'm like, hey, let's, like, <laughs> oh my God, let, they're, they're here and they're happy. Yeah. And that's all that matters. That's totally, you know? so this is so fascinating for me. That, first of all, I didn't expect us to get into any territory yeah, like this. Deep, but like, right? <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's okay, of, it's good. Yeah. Like, um, you know, and it feels like you're okay talking about it. So, like, yeah. the, um, the thing that's amazing to me is, like, I grew up. In a, this is fascinating for me to hear because I grew up in a family that was like my parents, like it wasn't until I grew up and became an adult that I was like, holy shit, in the realm of possibility, like they could have gotten divorced. Like right. they were, their relationship was so solid. It wasn't even like a question. Right. Like, so I just always, it was always around. And I had this very large family on both sides. It was just always present, like right. just omnipresent, like grandparents on both sides are present. Like I started doing comedy a long time ago. I've had my grandparents have been at my stand up sets since I was like 16 years old. Like they've always been around. Yeah, right. You're from Detroit and you started at 16. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, super yeah. young. <laughs> yeah, dude. I started at 16. I started with J. Chris Newberg and uh, Brandon T. Jackson. Okay. J. Chris and Brandon are both in LA now. Yeah, I know. I know. I know both names, but I don't know yeah. either of them. Yeah, they, um, I, I did, um, I, I don't really talk to I talk to Jay Chris still, but I don't really talk to Brandon anymore. I mean, he's off making fucking movies right. and he's on like Wild and Out and stuff yeah, like this. Yeah, okay, that's how I know his name. Yeah, yeah. They went on to L.A. I mean, I and I went to college. Right. <laughs> so like, you went to Boulder. I went to uh, no, I oh. went to Eastern Michigan University, but then I moved to Boulder. Okay, but so you like, were in Paris too. Right? I was in Paris also. Yeah. yeah, you've done your homework. And you speak French? Yeah, oui, je parle français. Oui, oui. Are you are you a fan of Gad? I like Gad. I saw, uh, him, I saw him here do like his first set in English at the Improv. Oh yeah! So like he did a weekend at the Improv like two years ago. He's super impressive, and the idea that he is doing that. So then you did that too, which is you went over to France and did. Do you know um, what's his name from New York? Just did this recently. Uh, I can't think of his name. Jewish guy, super funny. Dan, uh, Dan Natterman. He oh just, no, I don't he, know Dan Natterman. I, think, I was gonna I think say. It was Dan Oh, shit, I'm seeing his face, but I can't remember his name. Um, he he's a writer on The Great Indoors. He's from Boston originally, but he's a New York comic. Been back and forth from LA. I'm gonna remember it in a second. Yeah, I think Dan Natterman though that just went over to France and he did like three months in French. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Tom Rhodes um, w goes over there pretty regularly. Yeah, he was well. He had like a late night show in Amsterdam. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Tom is my comedy mentor. He's and here this weekend. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's here this weekend. And uh, he. This um, week. Yeah, this week. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, I opened for him when I was in Paris. I started a show in 2013 at uh, the So Gymnas Theater, which is the only it's next door to the only comedy club in Paris. Right. And um, they do English comedy there. And I started the Great American Comedy Show, which now, s s almost five years later, is still going on. That's huge. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's great. And uh, 
It's kind of weird because I did the same thing in Boulder. I started a comedy night, which was the only comedy night in Boulder first. It was uh, the Amante comedy night. And then um, later, um, Brent Gill started uh, the comedy night at the Bohemian Beer Garden, Boulder Comedy Night, which, uh, which, which is a bigger show that went on. But for, for the better part of almost four years, um, I started this show, the Amante Comedy Night, and that ran until other shows sort of picked up. Would you guys um, get a lot of college kids? Is that- a ton of college yeah. kids, man. I mean, so many. It was a cafe, but it was also a bar. My, so favorite, like- my favorite comedian started in Boulder. Who? Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, man. He's the best. That that's t- town is so interesting uh, because it's just the weirdest place. Yeah. And that's actually kind of also, uh, not to make this this podcast episode about me, I guess, but that's <laughs> actually kind of what I like about Paris, too. It's a fucking weird, pl- like, it's such a weird space. Yeah. And when you're doing, like, comedy only started in Paris in 2012. Like, there was not, there was not a stand-up, yeah, correct. There right. was not a stand-up comedy club ever in the right. whole goddamn country until 2012 i told my boss he should go do pop-ups like a pop-up laugh factory yes. in paris yeah he should and just send over some comics it would know, be and, it would be a resounding success and mix in some french comics and it would be huge i was like you could do it in germany you could do it anywhere and like all you do is just rent out a space do a month oh yeah of shows and just plan you could, it out you could do right it way. you could do it in you could do it in uh edinburgh scotland you could do it in uh you could well, London already has a comedy scene, but you could do it in I Paris. Think there's expats everywhere. Oh too, my god! Where you could do it in Amsterdam, Barcelona, Paris, yeah. uh, Madrid, Berlin. I went to a comedy show in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, Dave Matz. Yeah, he used to do stand up in uh in in China. Yeah, so I went I went to Hong Kong for like 15 days in 2012, and I went to a show there. Like it's 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 amazing. It's one of be, next to jazz. It's the one American art form that's moved on to take over the whole world. Yeah, it's huge. It's um, and, and it it's so big in Paris, and it was so big in 2013 because peop- there were not enough comedians to, to 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 you know slake the thirst of the Par- Parisian comedy fan crowd. Right. And there were people who would get. I mean, there were actors and people who were not comedians, not stand-up comics, and and not comedians generally who were getting up and doing comedy sets. And it was that like what Gad did. Yeah. Cause I know like he sells out like theaters that are like 10,000. It's insane. Yeah. It's nuts. I mean, Gad did the Stade de France, I think. And it was like 40,000 people came out to see him, which is their largest. It's the largest theater in the arena ever in the whole country. Yeah. So like he, it was nuts. Cause Gad, the guy who I knew was Yassine Belus, who used to open for Gad and did a lot of work with him. He also opened for, he was just starting to do English speaking comedy because the big dream for everybody over there is to cross over. Right. So they want to go to Edinburgh and do the Edinburgh show. And then they want to move over here. And to them, Gad is like, you did it. Right. Like he made it. Yeah. Yassine Belus is the next guy. When I saw him at, when I saw Gad at Schomburg, it was all French people there though. I was, they, they love him so I much. I was literally the only American there. I brought Merritt, Merritt Lansire, and yeah. I was the only American there. Like, it That's, was... It doesn't surprise me. Insane. Like, they're like, give it up in French. And he said something in French. Everybody went crazy. And then uh, he's like, yeah, but they're not paying me enough to do it in French tonight. So it's uh, <laughs> going to be in all English. <laughs> and he, he did well. He did like 55 minutes. I was surprised. And this is... I think he had only been in America for like eight months. Yeah. I mean, like, they, they work really hard to try to do it in English in Paris. And really? there's a large enough expat crowd that they can do it. Yeah. Like, Yassine Belouz had never been outside of France, and he already had 
like 20 minutes in English. That's great. Yeah. I mean, he was working on it really hard. And like we were writing jokes. We was helping him like because that was one of the crazy things about going to Paris. And like one of the things that I really appreciated about it was it was like I was going to these uh, both English and and French speaking comedy shows. And I would meet the like Yasin Belus, one of the most famous French comedians. I have no idea who he is. Right. Like, but he would sit down and we would work on jokes together because he's like, I need to understand in English how does this how yeah. does this sound? Yeah. And and he he would be doing jokes in English that he didn't even like fully understand why it was funny. He right. just knew that people laughed at it. Right. And he would just and he would just go with it. And uh, I mean that dude's work ethic was was kind of insane, but that's what I liked about that space, and it's kind of what I liked about Boulder was it was like it was not quite the Wild West isn't like a, the right description, but it was like it, you could it was whatever you wanted it to be. It was freedom. Yeah, it was freedom. It was like um, there was no, and I mean like as much as I like obviously America and Chicago and the stand up scene and Detroit where I came from and and all of that, it's like there is a structure here, and it's. You know, you can love it or hate it or whatever your relationship is with it. But what was kind of cool over there was it was like it was anybody's guess. Like right. nobody had any idea what was going to happen. And from right. one week to the next, it was like Yasin Belus was really funny. But here's a guy we've never heard of. He crushed last week at, you know, Le Comedy Club. And now he's doing Le Pan Am Theater. And people love this guy. And nobody knows who he is. Three weeks ago, he was an actor. Now he's a stand-up comic. And that's money. Yeah, and that's money. Yeah, <laughs> money. yeah. And people will pay to see that guy. It's like the the version of Instagram now, you know, yeah. like something like that. You could blow up overnight. Yeah, you, know? you can blow up overnight. And yeah. people, and that was the thing is that it was almost like, um, it was almost like it, this bizarre. Like I think about this description that uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald once made, as crazy as this is going to sound, about the the Roaring Twenties, which is he was like, he was talking about like people who had even the smallest amount of talent could suddenly make a lot of money overnight. Right. And it was strange because the same thing was true over there where it was like people wanted to see comedy so bad in 2013 that they would go pay to see a guy who had only been doing it for three months. It was like the 80s here. It was It was like the 80s here. You're exactly yeah. right. It was the comedy boom except it was over there. And that's, by the way, what's going on in Iceland right now. Yeah. So it's fascinating because I went to Iceland to shoot this TV show. I swear to God, I, I want to get you talking. <laughs> Yeah. Again, but this is I feel like you told me about this or somebody told me about going to Iceland and shoot TV shows. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Okay. I shot I went uh, with Brendan Gay. Maybe it was him who Maybe told Brendan you about told it. Me. Yeah, yeah. But Brendan Gay and I and a comedian from New York named Zach Tomasovic okay. all went over to Iceland to Reykjavik to go shoot this pilot. It's Did they a, pay you for it? No, we self funded it. Okay. And uh it's called Funny Planet and um we're uh we were finalists in the New York television festival uh, f- a few weeks ago. And lost only to another group that is also from Chicago, who um, oh, cool. who had a, a very funny cartoon called Omega House, and they won a development deal with Comedy Central, which was great, and um, and and they deserve to, by the way. Like they would, they it's not like we, you know, we were neck and neck, but theirs was just a little bit like, more exactly you know what, the what they were is? looking for. Do you know what the deal they were offering? I don't, man. I wish I knew the particulars. I was like, I hear development deal in. 2018 and it means something completely different than it used to mean so I'm oh like, i'm it's meaningless now yeah like uh, the, what, is, uh, what is a real is the, are you getting a web series on comedy central is that what that yeah, means that's pretty much like, what it is yeah. i think and so it's like, funny you say that because the group who won the year before was there yeah and we were like oh shit like that's so cool like we might win this like what what do you guys 
Like, what is it going to, what are you guys going to, what did you get? And they were like, oh, wait, they haven't done shit for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like it used to be like, you got a holding deal or you got a development deal and you know, they'd pay you $250,000 to not take uh, something, oh, yeah. with Fox, something with Fox. Uh, something with somebody else. Something yeah. With CBS. But now it's like, we're going to hold you here and you can't sign anything and uh, we're not going to pay you yet. But uh, <laughs> hopefully like uh, if it doesn't yeah. get bumped. And, yeah, yeah. Cause there, there was this like, <laughs> I remember there's this crew from Philly that was super funny that did shit on comedy central like two years ago. And they were like, they had this big push and then they just died out and I haven't heard anything <laughs> about them. And they, like the, it was, they had this web series that was really funny. And like, you know, like I mean, I, I'm friends with Ian Abramson, same thing. Yeah. Like he had his web series on there and it kind of, yeah, I don't know. Comic Central is interesting. They're, interesting they're unique. There. They're a unique breed, man. And they um. So we'll see what happens with that that group. It was actually better. Congratulations I think. on getting second, though. That's huge. Yeah, I, we're the number one loser. Um, yeah, but also, like, you have the internet now, and you don't need Comedy Central anymore. So no, that's a good point. And it's funny because we were talking about it afterwards, and even during like the whole week long festival and we were like you know it might be better if we actually don't win because we're not going to be locked into a deal but we're getting all this exposure right so and i think that it actually has been better because we we've been having meetings with true tv we've been having meetings with funny or die did you meet them at these at the festival uh we met people from there at the festival yeah, yeah. that's where that's all it is you go there to network exactly yeah. and so it's like we got and we have a lot of people one of the actually i this is i'm you know this all all like eight people listening to this podcast will this is really blowing the lid on this but um one of the guy, the guy who directed the steve martin martin short special um a guy named marcus rayboy he's been like a a um an advisor for this project for like the last year he that's might great. executive produce it oh that's um, huge he's it displayed interest in it so like it, it's been really cool and so the concept is called funny planet and it's a show where we go basically around the world to different international cities and um and learn about their comedy scenes yeah. and like I, I pitched the same idea but like <laughs> I I pitched the same idea but like just for the United States oh yeah and you go to different comedy scenes and you mix in food like it's just the only difference is you go Ooh. from place to place and you you know you go to Portland and you you I always look at it like this like this is how it break down so anybody can steal this because I want to see it on TV eventually just for my own sake but uh it would be like you go to Portland and. You try out like their local food, okay, mm -hmm. like with an open micer. So you go out with an open micer, they take you to their favorite place wherever they go at fucking after their shows or whatever, whatever yeah. hole in the wall. Then you go uh, to like the local comedy club there. So like you'll hit up Helium or whatever. There's another one there. I can't remember the name of it right now. But then uh, whoever the headliner is, you go out with them that weekend. And then also, hopefully, you can get a headliner that's from Portland that can take you around. Oh, yeah. So then you're mixing in, like, famous com comics with the local comics with food and comedy. It's a great idea. The pilot would be shot in New Orleans, and it would feature Sean Patton. Yeah. That he, would well, be... He does, he's done a lot of, like, food stuff. That would be great, man. He's done, like, his drinking show. Remember oh, yeah. Remember drinking show he had? He, that guy is so goddamn funny. He did... Um, he, uh, I met him in uh, Edinburgh when he was doing his show there. And he came out and did the Chicago Comedy Showcase one night. Yeah. And he is so unbelievably funny, man. Yeah, we've had him here a bunch. I just uh, hung out with him in Clusterfest a little bit. I was just in Clusterfest. That's and, uh, fun. It was all right. I didn't love it. it was <laughs> another thing that Comedy Central did that I'm like, I don't want to, this is the second thing I'm shitting on Comedy Central for, but I was like, <laughs> man, like they were trying to compete with JFL and like I chose Clusterfest this year and Curtis chose JFL. And I was like, all right, like. I'm looking forward to this. I really like the lineup. Like it's yeah. going to be cool. And then I got there and it was, it just wasn't organized. I didn't like how it was set up. Oh no, man. Are we on a time limit? No, no, no. Oh, I okay. mean, I mean, you know, you like I to just, keep it under a certain time. I like to keep it at about an hour, but I don't okay. care. Right. There's no real, it can just keep going. I mean, the batteries at some point are going to run out on this motherfucker. 
which we can switch over if we have to. I'm okay with that. You can plug it in, too. Um, I don't have the plug for it. I got one. Unfortunately. Do you? Yeah, oh, nice. Right. This is the thing. You've got, like, all this equipment. You were just like, so I show up. Let me t- explain this to everybody on the podcast. And uh, I'm, like, getting all my equipment on. Brian's like, oh, yeah, I uh, had this whole thing set up a minute ago, but I didn't know what you had. Yeah. <laughs> then we go into his office because he's like, oh, I was got this podcast studio going. And it's like he's got all this fucking equipment and all this stuff. Yeah. I was kind. I was really impressed. We had, I mean, like, we were running, we had enough for six mics. Like, we were running live stream video. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. I well, did it for, like, a, like, about a year. I had almost 10 podcasts. Let's um let's talk about this because uh, I'm interested in what you guys are doing with the live stream with uh, verified laughs and yeah. with other things like that. I feel like that's I feel like that is the net. There's something that is representing the next step uh, over Instagram TV or Facebook or something that's representing the next step. And I think media. Yeah. And it it's really cool that you're already leaning into it. So probably. 2013 2014 uh i listen to bobby kelly's podcast all the time you know what dude i know you listen to it it's fantastic he always features younger comics and Mm. that's why i love it but uh he started talking about this mevo camera because he's you know bobby is super into tech Mm. so he started talking about this mevo camera and i was like fuck so when curtis and i when i uh when I became the GM here, I was like, we, we should get a Mevo camera and figure out how to use it for like our Facebook live. We'll do live podcasting. We'll do like, you know, live streams of shows, things like that. And then we didn't, we did it for a little bit with the podcast, but we didn't do it with the shows yet. We did it a little bit, but nothing serious. Mm. And then Curtis and I were talking one day and I was like, I want to come up with some sort of competition show. I was like, we need some sort of show that is competition based that we can include everything i'm always trying to do is include social media yeah like that's it's what it is now everything's on social media i mean if you look at like uh sarah perry just got five thousand followers on her instagram because the laugh factory from hollywood posted a video of hers oh yeah it got it got like 2.5 million views carly king got like uh like another like 5,500 followers because hers got like 3.5 million views on Instagram. Oh, yeah. She's like, it's it's nuts. I, I was talking a little bit with Matt about this, just about how they posted those videos on like their comments or whatever, them reading their comments, and it was just in nuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I just, I always see, like I try to see like where shit's going. And I knew that I wanted a show that could include people at home too that, you know, could just watch. And then... yeah. It was built in. If I figured out if there was a voting system that I could have built in where you had to follow us mm. on some sort of social in, media, in order Facebook to do it, or Instagram yeah. to vote, then we would automatically get followers every time. Yep. And I mean, the show's been going on now, um, like maybe five months, six mm. months at the most. And I think their their Instagram has like fifteen hundred followers already, and their Facebook has like probably two thousand people that li- have liked their page. Oh yeah. And it's that's quick as fuck for a comedy show. Oh yeah, no you doubt. Know? It take we have eight thousand followers on our uh, Instagram, and it's taken us like three years. Oh yeah, know, just for our Laugh Factory, but it's hard. Like yeah, there's, I mean, there's a slow. I mean, you think like what the comedy market is in the city of Chicago. Yeah, and you think about or or the surrounding area, and you think about like how many people are keyed into like any given show. Right. That's got to be a, a a significant portion of just that market. Right. I mean, you think of where it's going to grow from there. You know what I mean? The fact that it's streamed, the thing that I like about it and the thing that I like about this idea uh, and why I think this is leaning in is like basically all media today is consumed uh, 
on demand. Right. With the exception of sports. And it's funny because when we were at the New York Television Festival and talking to a lot of these people, this is why so much money has been funneled towards sports in the last decade and really in the last five years. I mean, there's always been a lot of money there. But when you compare the numbers, the the amount of interest and the amount of viewership has gone up so much because I think people understand at some level that this is the only time. They're, they, they can either find out about this when it happens now or they're going to be outside of the circle and have to find out about it later. But sports are dropping in all aspects so, like of TV. So this is what's interesting is that it's like their, their viewership has gotten more intense. People have been f- dropping out in general. But everything is on demand. So there's got to be some other outlet in which people have to watch something live. It's on your phone. And that's it. You just That's exactly it. And yeah. so things like uh, Facebook Live, things like YouTube Live, things like Instagram TV. You know, people who are, do you know who Dave Rubin is? No. This is a guy who has a TV show. He's part of kind of the intellectual dark web. Okay. And this guy, Dave Rubin, is a sort of, he calls himself a classic liberal he's like a conservative Has guy he been on rogan before oh yeah okay without yeah, a doubt seen his name before yeah, yeah those he, are the ones um, i always skip yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't I, I don't think you're missing too much dave's a pretty bland guy he uh he is he's a former comic though interestingly and uh anyway where this is going is that he does these live interviews and like he'll go live and people will watch like at different points and his viewership during these live interviews is nuts what is it like what do you like over 300,000? I mean, I'm not talking like Joe Rogan numbers, right. like who's out, out in an, in outer space. Right. But he, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are watching this guy yeah. and it's, it's wild to see that where you're like, this is in its instant response. He'll ask a question. You'll see the comments or like the, the live chat will just erupt with like people answering this question. The kind of engagement that this guy's getting is just unparalleled. I mean like Joe Rogan, the same thing. Yeah. And, and maybe a better example. But when I think about it, like that's there has to be no mainstream media is moving in that direction. But even advertisers have begun to understand that this is the the direction that this yeah, stuff is heading course. into. Yeah, I mean, advertisers are starting to sponsor podcasts like fully now. You know, I listen to Joe Budden, the rapper. Do you know who he is? Oh yeah. So he has his own podcast. It's a music podcast. He just signed with Spotify, so he could have signed with like you know like stamps.com or one of these like bullshit you know commercial people like you know like uh, in the beginning of every podcast you hear yeah. like you know fucking sponsored by Ca- squarespace casper mattress or casper whatever, mattresses you know? they're all the, it's the same thing so he said no to all those and he waited and his podcast grew and grew and grew and he's at like a million downloads a week easy yeah you know his his uh his youtube page had, i think he has like close to a million subscribers to his youtube now and he waited 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 and he just signed with Spotify. So now he's exclusively with Spotify and they paid him way more money than any stamps.com or anything I mean, just, would have ever paid him. And they made him, they gave him an actual job. So he partnershiped with him yeah. and he's the, like the director of uh, content for Spotify. Now. I know that's madness. And it's like all from his podcast, yeah. you know, cause his rap career wasn't going well at all. So, <laughs> and like it wasn't and like, he's one of my favorite rappers. So, and I look at, I look at like, that and i see where everything's going and i try to like push comics towards that a lot like i there's so many comics that i talk to and like i mean i'm not saying that you're talking about your your show as an example like that's an online show now you might as well do everything online because 
once you create it for yourself, then you you create your own brand. Like oh yeah, like Logan Paul or Jake Paul, like these people. They have their own brand, and then these people like they want to come partner with you, and then you keep a hundred percent of all your whatever you create. Like you don't have to give your fucking soul away to whoever to take all your your ideas and Man, your money. This is so real, and it's 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 an interesting. That's such a powerful point because one of the things that was a big takeaway for me from the New York Television Festival when I went was like, I mean, we have executives from. I mean, the woman who greenlit Girls was one of. I met her. You know what I mean? I'm talking about the president of BBC America. Yeah. Um, met her, met the girl, uh, the one, the girl. I mean, she's 36 years old. Was Netflix uh, there? Um, Netflix was not there, yeah. interestingly. They were conspicuously absent. Yeah. Uh, Netflix was not there. <laughs> Funny or Die was there. Um, some other streaming, uh, Hulu was there. Netflix was not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Uh, we talked about that, actually. We were like, I wonder well, why who, they're not. Who, who owns Funny or Die? Uh, I t- yeah, I don't know. I think it's a TV company now, and I believe a, a TV company owns Hulu now too, right? It might be the same. It might well. Funny or Die has done a lot of work with Netflix, but I I don't I know I don't think Netflix owns them. I think it might be the same Viacom conglomerate that yeah, owns and Viacom is like still Comedy super Central. into TV. You know, yeah, so, they're the foot is majorly yeah. in that space. I mean, Viacom owns everything, but they're yeah. super into TV. But the fascinating thing is like they. Um, the the, bi- the big takeaway from this year, though, for me, w- there, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. I learned a ton of shit. I mean, it was literally it was like a grad a graduate course on on television and media. But there was this big feeling of like, man, these these executives across the board, they are all pretty scared, and they don't know what's happening. Yeah, and nobody really knows what's happening. And nobody really had. I mean, like I was asking questions. The the, the one guy who felt like pretty solid was um, the this guy from NBC News who has pivoted. And he's the it, actually I'll tell you two points in a second that are fascinating that he made. But um, this guy was leaning way into Snapchat and way into like um, IGTV and just had had plans for. He was like, we already have plans for shows for the news for yeah. for these. And he's like, we're the fastest. We're one of the fastest, like top five fastest growing like channels on Snapchat is like NBC news. Yeah. You, you wouldn't think that, uh, I, it was b- blew my mind to hear that. Well, but he it comes was like, up if you, if you, do you have Snapchat? Yeah. So if you swipe to your right, NBC news is always at the top of like, you yeah. Know, it, and it just shows you that's how people follow the news now. You know, I just found out Burt Reynolds died be from Instagram. Yeah. You know right. Isn't that like, nuts? Yeah. But it's like, I didn't turn on the news. I didn't, it was all, I got a, pop up from Mark Wahlberg posting that Burt Reynolds died. You're like, what? Yeah. So it's, that's how everybody consumes everything. So I think that people should be doing comedy specials on Instagram TV. I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement. You got, you got, I think you can do 20, 25 minutes on Instagram. So do a 15 minute, you know, like you can do You can do an up to an, uh, up to an hour on IGTV. Oh, now. you can. Okay. Yeah. And when it, I first came out, I knew it was like 15 or 20. It was only minutes. doing like 15 minute segments. Yeah. IGTV will let you do up to an hour now. So this was like the big, but it was like, we would ask questions in the crowd. We'd be like, so what's, you know, what's, what's the Hulu plan for taking advantage of IGTV or what's, you know, um, does Lionsgate have an idea for what they're going to do for or BBC America for IGTV? No one has answers to these questions. You know the other thing? Everything's getting cheaper to make. With, so yeah. you can do everything yourself now versus even 10 years ago. It was 
almost impossible. It's so you would have to rent and shoot everything. It'd be super expensive. Like, I mean, think about this. We shot this entire pilot for yeah. for Funny Planet in Reykjavik, Iceland. Uh, me and another guy funded the entire thing, uh, probably all together, shooting, editing the trailer, flying out to Reykjavik, Iceland, 4K cameras. Um, crew that we hired, the entire thing out the door was probably ten grand split between the two of that's us. So cheap. It's so cheap. Yeah, that's, and that's huge. It's nuts. And like we, uh, and it's like it, it's absolutely good enough to be on on Vice. Like we shot it with Vice in mind. Right. And like, uh, which I maybe mean, should I shouldn't say if like if, if, if Funnier dies, like we love this, and then they hear like we shot it with Vice in mind. No, you should shoot it with Vice in mind because that's the standard of what's good right now. You know, I mean, even they're, Vice, they're even so Vi- crisp, man. Vi- Vice, like, I mean, I, they they have a lot of their. I think a lot of people hate on Vice for a lot of things, but especially like people that have worked there have heard a lot of things. Oh but, yeah, uh, I think. Uh, I think like as a company, that's what you want to reach for. So of course you want to shoot it as something that you want as to be on vice. You know, I think that everything they do looks beautiful. Yeah. Their editing is so crisp. Yeah. Like they, they have a, such a solid idea of their message, their brand voice, like everything they put out is very solid. And, uh, I, 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 it feels like it's not, I mean, it's in a weird way. It's like the big, hairy, audacious goal. It's like shooting for the moon to be like, we, we want to put something together that's so solid we could see it on that network. Yeah, or you know, you create your own vice eventually. That's that's like where we're at now. Yeah, so it's right. like you could but you remember this movie that came out like 2 years ago that was shot on an iPhone? Oh yeah, Tangerine. Tangerine, yeah. And that whole movie was shot on like an iPhone 5. So like we're at that level now. You can do this and everybody should just create everything on their own. Like yeah, you can get your your push, you, you know, like I like that the Laugh Factory in Hollywood has almost a million followers on their Instagram because, yeah. like, if they post something, like, people will get followers off it. But now how do you retain those followers? What are you going to do with them to grow your own following? Because you have your own little bit, you know, like, that, like, especially with, like, people like Carly Kane. You have 5,000 people or 6,000 people following you now. Yeah, what are you going to so, do now? So what are you going to do to make them share it to their 100 people? you know, that will make them share it to their hundred people to make it. All you need is fucking five people to like you. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like if you give five people behind you that can just spread it. Yeah. I mean, that's an order of magnitude increase. That's, I mean, that's the power of exponentials. You yeah. know what I mean? It's wild. I talked to, I've talked about this on the podcast more than one time, but it's, it's bizarre to me that we live in an era wherein you can post something that people dig and it just blows up super fast. And, right. and I'm not sure that it's, it's, always good like i think that it's it's bizarre because people are either shooting for it or the kind of results that can happen off of that like sarah perry and carly kane getting five thousand six thousand followers whatever that's awesome like those are two funny women who are kicking ass they they do they've done a ton of comedy they're seasoned i mean they're ready to go they've done more comedy than people who are buying tickets to go see comedians in paris you know what i mean yeah um but at the same time, it's like you can, po- you know, a fifth grader can post a video. And it would get huge. Yeah. Ten million views later, there's a thousand people who are messaging them, "Hey, go kill yourself," or something. Yeah, like it's super weird that we live in this world that it just that much attention can happen that fast, and that's gonna follow that kid for life. You know what I mean? Think of the Star Wars kid. That was the first time that ever happened. Somebody did something that was ridiculous. The internet got a hold of it. They started making fun of this guy. This guy has to live with this his whole life. You know what I, I mean? I have no idea what you're talking about. What? That, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, Brian. I avoid everything Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> this was a guy who you you need to go look up this video. This is a kid who had a camp. This is like in 2000 and 
2004, maybe, 2003, there was a kid who was at a high school in Canada, in Quebec, okay. and he found a golf ball retriever, which is like a just large steel beam, basically, and he found a camera, and at his school, he recorded himself like doing like lightsaber moves and making lightsaber noises, and this kid's probably like, yeah, I think he was like 14 okay. or something, so like... You know what I mean? At an age where he's still kind of a kid, semi-adult, and uh, the internet found this. He like left it on the camera. A bunch of other people in the AV club found it, posted it to the internet. The internet found it, made a whole bunch of goofy, ridiculous videos making fun of him where they made it into a lightsaber and like played music and all kinds of shit. And um, you think about that guy now. I mean, it's been 14 years. That's still... If anybody meets that guy, that's still what they think of when they meet that Not guy. Not me, but anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think like, yeah, well, that's just like, I, I don't know. I think a mo- I think that's like the one time where you didn't put it up yourself, you know, and you didn't want it. So I think most of the things that end up on the internet, unless it's like revenge porn, they're meant to be put up, you know, and you're putting it up yourself. So if you get made fun of something for that you put up, Sometimes it's people shooting other people. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope it's not that too often. No, no, not shooting, shooting. But I mean, I like, mean. yeah, yeah. Like sometimes people are filming other people, like putting it up. But most of the time it's you putting something up yourself. Yeah. So if you get something from it, then hopefully it's good. And then there's, but there's trolls, like there's trolls everywhere. And people, that's like the, the thing, that's what they should teach in school. Like that there's trolls. That's just like, they probably do. They probably do teach us. In school. I, yeah, they probably, probably teach like, It's now. probably a form of bullying that it's trolling. Yeah, and like, trolling. And yeah, that's yeah. how they, ugh, this is so, it's a, what a weird, we're forming a new like global community. That's the whole, it's been a global community. I mean, I, I moved to Germany in 2006 and I still kept in touch with everybody in America the whole time I was how, there. How old are you, Brian? I'm 32. You're oh, So we're the same age. Yeah. What month are you born in? I'm, my birthday's in 24 days. Oh, okay. Got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, days. I, uh, I'm, I actually, so let's get, I want to pivot this conversation back towards you and your story and how you got here. And, by the way, thank you very much for the blue moons. Yeah, of course. Uh, I should say, and almost an hour into this podcast, we're... Uh, sitting in the green room in the Laugh Factory in Chicago. Is that is it going to bug you if we go along? <laughs> no. Okay. I just want to make sure this thing doesn't die. Oh, that's why you keep looking at that's it. That's why I keep checking okay. it, is I just want to make sure this battery's not dead. And I think I have more batteries with me. I do. But it, I don't want the audio to cut off when we're in the middle of something. Right, yeah. And then we have to, like, pick it back up and explain what happened on this podcast. This happened before. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just aware of it. Uh so wh- I have uh, what I want to do is return this conversation to you a little bit and ask what what um, so first of all I'm curious about what brought you to Germany in 06. I was in the I went to the military. I was in the Air Force. Oh really? Yeah, I did four years in the Air Force. What did you do in the Air Force? I was a cop. Really? Yeah, I was a security forces as they call it. Yeah, but I was like I did actual patrol. I didn't do any of the security side. I did all of like the law enforcement side. So what would you, you would patrol what bases mostly? Or? No, we, I mean, we had jurisdiction 45 minutes in any direction from my base outside. What? Yeah. So, I mean, like when I worked overnights, I would just go look at castles and shit because there was nothing to do a lot of times. So Where I, were you stationed? I was uh, near Frankfurt, in yeah. like Ramstein. You've heard of Ramstein? Yeah, Ramstein. So I was at a base next to it called Volgaway. It's a little tiny base, but it was all like an all, almost all law enforcement base. So like 
I didn't have to guard planes. There was no planes on my base, nothing like that. So I just would patrol all the time. And like we did walking patrol. Like, so there's 50,000 Americans in Ka- it's called Kaiser slaughter and is the closest city. So yeah. there's 50,000 Americans there. It's like the largest American population outside of America. Wow. So, uh, we had to go patrol their neighborhoods a lot, like on foot and you know, there'd be people coming back from Iraq that were, you know, they hadn't drank in 18 months and just, Oh, they're going nuts. They got fucking PTSD and shit and <laughs> yeah. they're just running around yeah. in fights. So like, we'd have to arrest all those people, break up fights. Like, you know, do you ever get like, you ever get, uh, re- fucked up or roughed up from, from guys who were too drunk and throwing wild punches? No, I'm, I can handle myself pretty well, but got I also like, when you're, I was, you know, in fucking incredible shape then. Like, that's all you... Yeah, I mean, what else do you have time to do? Yeah. So, and I was, I'm a decent size. I'm six foot, like 200 pounds. So yeah. it's like people, for the most part, didn't really... Yeah, mess with you. But, you know, I definitely, we've, we arrested a lot of people and like detained a lot of people and things like that. There's a lot of times like you hold people, like, especially if they're German, if a German and American are fighting, like you have to hold the German till the Polizei gets there and they take them and... Yeah. yeah. So your jurisdiction is basically over Americans or like, can you arrest? Could you arrest Germans? We could detain them. Got it. Yeah. So like, you, I, you know, we, you, you hold them until the Pulitzer get there and then you explain. Cause we had like a, they're called ZPs and they were the German version of us the, and they would walk with us at the same time. So the ZPs would talk to the Pulitzer. Sometimes we would meet up with the Pulitzer too and a Pulitzer would walk with us. Do so. you, you speak German then? I mean, I, you know, I could swear and <laughs> I can make girls laugh by saying something stupid. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. Um, I speak, I speak a very little bit of German. Yeah. But like, so you, so how does that lead from in 06 from, so you're, you're at that time wait in 06, you were 16, right? 06. Oh, oh six. Pardon me. Oh, two. And, and so you're 20. Yeah. I know sex. Jesus, yeah. my brain, man. I've had, by the way, 20, so this I whole turned, time I've, I've been drinking. 20, yeah, so before I showed up here, I had two glasses of wine. And since I've been sitting here, I've had one and, and a third blue moons. So this is, uh, Beautiful. I know we're, I'm, I'm feeling it. Uh, yeah. So I was like 2021. 20, yeah. Know, I, I moved, I moved there when I was, I think I turned 21 in Germany. So, so how does that lead here to laugh factory? Uh, so, you know, I'd always like, it's weird. Like to go back to like, comedy where it started with me was uh my grandpa was obviously super into comedy but i never really liked what he liked yeah you know? and then, really yeah the same thing with my brother my older brother he was like really i mean my br- older brother did stand-up comedy mm. so he did like you know open mics and shit all you could do in upstate new york like open mics at an italian restaurant you know like one of those <laughs> things so but it we're in upstate new york by the way near utica okay got it do you, do you know utica I, I'm a, I'm aware of it. Syracuse area. I'm like in between Syracuse and Albany, basically. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like directly in the middle of fucking nowhere, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a weird part of. I feel like I've 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 never been to upstate New York, yeah. but I feel like from my impression, it feels like a bizarre Midwest like place north of. I mean, in the Northeast. Uh, I will say that it is much meaner than the Midwest. Really? Like, yeah. Way more aggressive than the Midwest. Really? Yeah. Like how so? Uh, I mean, like, it's just that a lot, I, there's, I, there's not fights here and things all the time. Like there's fights where I grew up a lot. There was a lot of like, you know, I mean, you could literally like three times a week, there was people fighting in our high school. Like you'd go down to like this area where people would go yeah. fight, like things like that. I don't there, know, it sounds just, a little bit like Metro Detroit. 
Yeah, I guess like I don't ever consider Detroit the Midwest for some reason because like that's it's almost like, Canada. <laughs> yeah, well, and like it's Detroit is kind of like its own thing. Detroit's crazy. Like yeah. that's like something like completely, you know. Yeah. But like, I got you know I think of like Omaha, Nebraska in the Midwest. Yeah, okay, so, that's like, you all right. Saying, like there's like everything you're saying is very fair. There's like you know there's like some parts of Ohio that are the Midwest. That's not yeah. like the East Coast is like in I just I don't know I feel like everybody there is more aggressive. Even yeah. like if you meet people from there like do you know Allie Drapos I uh, know she's a, I think she just started doing comedy recently I just met her she's from Massachusetts and like immediately she was an asshole to me and I was like <laughs> it, it just reminded me like oh these are the people that I grew up with oh like, yeah like they start off with like fucking with you yeah yeah immediately aggressive like you know my like I'll give you if you're if you're driving here right and somebody flips you off right you're not gonna like most of the time you're not going to pull the car around and like go fight them. Yeah. Where I grew up, you're going to pull the happen. car around every time and go fight that person. Yeah. Like okay. there's another, there's, it's, it's see, somebody's staring at you wrong. Like there's a fight that's going to happen. See, this like, is what's so interesting. That is what would happen in, in Detroit. Right. Is that like somebody would, and you wouldn't flick somebody off because they might pull a fucking gun and right, kill you. Right. So like, it's a very weird and like, that's not even a too crazy of a, I mean, like that would that happens. See, you know? a, there wasn't gun. I mean, I actually Remington Arms is in my hometown, but there wasn't like handguns so much like where I grew up. Especially like maybe the time I grew up, there wasn't. I mean, there might be now. I, it's gotten like I know that there's like heroin is pretty bad there, and like drugs yeah. are taking over a lot of it. But I know like. Yeah, it's just more aggressive. Anyway, to keep going wherever. So I <laughs> Yeah, all right, let's so I remember like at seventeen, uh I went to Ocean City, Maryland for vacation and my buddy AJ came with me and he brought Dane Cook's Harmful of Swallowed. And that was like okay, I like for our age, like Dan Cook's Harmful of Swallowed was fucking huge. You were probably was, already doing stand up at that time yeah, when it yeah. came out. So like it, I, I, I didn't I didn't I I did not like Dan Cook, but okay. I recognize how big of a a watermark that album is. It was huge, you know. So like uh we listened to it a lot and like it was, you know, everybody like in my town like got into it and like everybody that I grew oh, up people with. People used like, to put people used to put on Dane Cook before going out to the bar. Right. Like they wouldn't put on music. To yeah. like get him pumped up, they'd put on a Dane Cook album right. and listen to him talking about the fucking spaghetti, shoot spaghetti at his fingers or whatever. Yeah. But I was still never like super. I didn't even like think about stand. I remember like I had actually like Bill Engvall's "Here's Your Sign" like <laughs> cassette tape when I was a kid. Like I remember that being played in my car. Yeah. Like I, you know, there's like things that I think back on. That yeah. I'm, like okay, I was always around comedy. Like, it yeah. was always in my house, but yep. I wasn't super into it. Yeah. And then, um, 2009, I moved to Ohio and or 2008 I moved to Ohio in 2009 uh, my stepdad passed away and mm. when that happened it, it hit me really hard and I was living with three people that weren't uh, in the military so I was in the military and I was with three civilians and they would smoke weed all day like one worked at the post office one worked at um, like the DMV and the other one worked at uh, Olive Garden so it was like a sitcom <laughs> and so like we all lived together and uh the one that worked at Olive Garden, he also worked at like a family video. So I oh, wow. went to <laughs> went to family went to family video one day. This is like early two thousand nine, probably like maybe March two thousand nine. And yeah. we were like this is when Seth Rogen was getting big. So oh, like yeah. we would watch like Seth Rogen movies all over and over. So I rented two DVDs, not knowing, like just wanted to like rent stand up. And I rented Joe Rogan Live, which was like his Netflix 
he had the first Netflix special actually. Like people don't know that. Like yeah. he had like one of the, I think it was the first, like, but it was the DVD Netflix. Like, so yeah. Yeah. So I got like Netflix, Jordan live. And then, um, Louis CK's, I, I think it's shameless. Is that yeah. his, it was his first one? one? Yeah, yeah. So I got shameless. And, and that was really before he blew up. Yeah. Like he years wasn't before. This, he was not big when I like I brought that home and people were like, what the fuck is this? Like even <laughs> they they like the the three people were me like, who the fuck is this? Dude? And the guy from Fear Factor, they started making fun. And then we watched them both and it was amazing. But what I got from it is I started like watching them laugh and I was like, oh shit, like this is making them laugh more. Like so that was like super fascinating. Yeah. Because like. I provided something that they're trashed yeah. and then it made them laugh. And I was like, hell yeah. So there's something about winning over people yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so I started getting into, uh, like I, I looked up Rogan on YouTube and this is before his podcast, you know, and I looked up Louie on YouTube too. Both of them were on Opie and Anthony. So oh, yeah. I started listening to Opie and Anthony all the time. And like, I grew up a little bit on Howard Stern. Like I listened to Howard Stern on the radio growing up, you know, with my stepdad quite a bit, but when uh, when I found out about Rogan and or Opie and Anthony, I fell in love. I listened to every fucking. I'd go back. I'd find everything I could f- possibly find. Oh, they were amazing, man. Yeah, and I listened to it every day for until it went off. Like until I mean, I still listen to Jim and Sam. Like not. Do you do you listen to Anthony Cumia at all? Uh, I I did. I subscribed to him for a little bit. I actually went to it live. Uh, me and our Curie, and then another day I went. I went with uh, Amy Shanker. Like, just oh yeah. To, like, I wanted to really see his setup because he has a studio in New York that's kind of cool that he paid for him. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Dave Landau is now on that show. Yeah, Dave, yeah, I'm Dave. opening for Dave in uh, Holly, Michigan. Yeah. By the way, on the 21st and 22nd of this month. Yeah, uh, my, my I should have said that probably earlier. My opinion of Kumi has changed <laughs> out over the years. Like, it's kind of like it's a. You know, I, I, I think he's fucking hilarious. I think a lot of his, like, I think he's so quick and his stories are great. But then, like, you know, I think some of his viewpoints are a lot. And uh, uh, no doubt. I, don't, I tend not to, like, I, I don't ever get political. Like, I don't give a shit about politics. Really. Yeah. I just stay away from it because, like, I don't know. Even, like, I've been in the military and I still, like, I'm yeah. not even, like, a super, like, huge military person. Like, it's not, I don't, I I don't, it's just, I think people waste too much time on that shit. Like, I totally agree. It's, it's really funny. By the way, just to correct something I just said, I'm featuring for Dave. I'm not opening for him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like in my own head, I was like, if I end this podcast without mentioning that, I'm going to kick myself. Um, it's very funny because I, I like, I like politics because I like the, like kind of a battle of ideas. Right. But I think anybody who believes anything like too strongly and gets worked up too much, like the thing that I enjoy about it and talking about politics is only insofar as other people have like for some reason a lot of emotion wrapped around yeah. it. And I think that's interesting, but I, I kind of feel like everybody should just like everybody needs to chill out just a little bit. I think it takes away from like just having human interaction. As much as like I a hundred percent like that. a serial killer people think I am and like how I'm not I think like I can't like I don't want to like a lot of, that's a lot of times too, like conversations end up leading to those things. And like, I'm just like, I, I don't, I usually step away. I don't even want to get into it. But like, yeah. if once I get into a conversation with somebody, they'll realize like, I'm, I care about people a lot. Like yeah. most that's why I'm here. Cause I care about people. Like I care about comics, especially like it's something I'm passionate about. Now, so, so what, how did that develop? I mean, like, was it, it, cause you had this moment where you're sitting watching this comedy, the comedy show, yeah. but there's a, there's a gap there between in Ohio and being in Chicago yeah, and so, caring about, cause the way you just talk about, you know, Sarah and Carly, for example, is like I can see it on your face. It's like you're you're 
really ha- genuinely happy yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy, dude. Alex Dragovich just got a video up on there today, and I'm like, fuck. Oh, yeah, that like, motherfucker's gonna I'm blow like, up I soon. Can't, I can't wait. Like, yeah, just, good for him. Yeah, I told him like once he moves to New York or LA, he has to join the comedy basketball team because like immediately oh, when that happens, like there's people who love you, and then you'll get booked on everything. Oh, he it, will. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> it's like even if they've never seen you do stand up, is like they'll they'll just put you up because I gotta do that. There needs to be a comedy wrestling team I could join. Did you wrestle? Yeah, I used yeah. to wrestle. Yeah, I wrestled for uh, a couple years, but uh, so. Ohio, I, I left the military. I, I did my four years. I got out, and uh, I was I became a chef. Well, I studied at Le Cordon Bleu here, and then uh, I was a chef for a bit, mm. and I went to Kendall, too, yeah. for hospitality. Really? Cool. Yeah, and uh, I was going to comedy shows here all the time. I also had gone to, like, you know, in Ohio, I started going to shows. Like, I, I went to... I don't know, maybe like 10, 15 shows at different funny bones around Ohio, like the one in Columbus, the one in Dayton and the one in like uh, in Newport outside of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to like those shows all the time. And then I started coming to Chicago all the time on the weekends because I fell in love with the city. Like the first time I came here like was in the summer and I started to come up here all the time. So then I moved here, became a chef uh, and I started going to local shows here when I was in culinary school. And the first show I went to was actually CYSK. And uh, so I went there in 2010 mm. and that was like, you know, it was mind blowing to me. I was like, this is the fucking coolest thing I've seen. Like the, I mean, it was the first show is, uh, like Drew Michael, Joe Kilgallen, um, uh, junior Stopka. I forgot. There was a couple other people that were like, it was just, it was a fantastic Mike Leibowitz. It was just like a fantastic show of like local comics. And then the second time I went, I think Bobby Kelly dropped in. Oh, wow. And then, like, the third time I went, like, TJ Miller dropped in. Yeah. And, like, the fourth time I went, like, and, like, all these people started dropping in all the time. And I, I was like, okay. So I started going two times a month to that show alone. And then I'd go to, like, uh, I lived across the street from, there's this place called Ace Bar. Mm. Did you ever hear about Ace mm-hmm. Bar? So it was, like, it was a it was a mic, but then they'd also do shows there. And it was, like, a mic that everybody would go to. So. Uh. I'd go to Ace Bar and like before that it was called McDonough's. So I'd go to like McDonough's and Ace Bar quite a bit. And then I'd go to like the elbow room for shows. And oh then yeah. I started like going to Lincoln Lodge and then plus all that at the same time, I would be going to Zany's and the improv. And so you were like really co- and just really becoming a giant com- Chicago yeah, comedy fan basically. Yeah. So I, I mean, I was super, super into it and I would go to, I mean, before I started working here, I'd been to over probably 150 shows. Mm. You know, but whether, you know, headliners, whoever. And I mean, I started like befriending bigger comics like Joey Diaz and me are actually really good friends. And like, that's awesome. Like cool with Ari Shafir, cool with like all these people like over time that I met, you know, that I just have like a a decent relationship with through comedy, you know. Um, So then the restaurant I was working at closed and I started valeting for a bit because I needed money and it was, you know, really good money. And uh, I worked in the West Loop for a while. And then I was like, you know, I can't I want to, like, get into comedy, I think. Like, and I didn't want to do stand up. I thought about doing stand up in like 2010 at one point. But, you know, do you know Natasha Pearl Hansen? Uh, no, uh, she she moved to L.A. She's uh, she's super funny, but she actually lived in my building uh, when I moved. I used to live across the street from like Galway Bay. And so, oh, yeah. Uh, she lived in my building and I, uh, used to hang out with her boyfriend all the time and he would, he would like, you know, tell me what she was doing to like do stand up. So, you know, I thought about like doing it for a while and like, but I, eventually I was just like, no, I kind of want to get in the business side of it because 
I was listening to Opie and Anthony. I was listening to that, you know, at this time, Rogan had started his podcast. All these people had started podcasts and I'm listening to them talk and how they talk about like back then they would talk about how shitty the comedy store was, but like how it used to be amazing. Yeah. And, like, you know, they talk about like all the shitty people in comedy that would fuck people out of money and like treat oh, yeah. them badly and like they didn't know how to work a club or run a show or anything like this. So, and like, Eventually, I'm just like, what can I fucking do? Like, I have all this knowledge. I, I've been to all these shows. I understand comedy. I felt yeah. like I had a, like, a really good understanding of it before yep. I even started here. So I looked up like different places, and I kind of wanted to work it up, but I also didn't want to be involved in Second City because I knew most of the people that worked it up usually worked at second city like there you know there were students there or something so it's a whole ecosystem yeah and but i think up like i love that fucking club i think that club's beautiful it's a great room i think it's set up perfectly but uh i saw the laugh factory was hiring like this was probably like two months into me like realizing i wanted to get involved somehow but the only thing they were hiring at was door and I had a background in security from the military. So I was like, fuck it, let me apply. So I wrote down, like, I sent an application. You know, I wrote down that I had been to all these shows and, like, in my cover letter and, like, how big of a fan of comedy I was. Which, like, I'm sure in my head they get a lot, you know, like, whatever. They get this shit a lot. And they brought me in for an interview. And Jamie was here, Jamie Masada, the yeah. owner of all the Laugh Factories the founder and uh emily keck she used to be like the the person that was the gm here yep and uh there's a couple other people this uh this lady tracy and uh they interviewed me right and they start asking me all these questions and then the last question they asked me was who was my favorite comedian and i said joey diaz and like they were like half of them didn't know who he was and then the other, like Tracy knew who he was because she had worked at the last stop in Houston. And then Jamie knew who he was. Cause obviously he's an LA guy. Yep. So Jamie like gave me like a, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> that's a fucking weird answer. Like what the fuck? <laughs> so, but then they hired me. So they brought me in at door and I remember my first week I gave Keck like a list of comics that I think that should perform here. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow, Chicago. man. Jesus. Your first day? My first week, yeah. Like oh I, I, I had like looked at their lineups. <laughs> I had been looking at their lineups quite a bit. And then like, uh, yeah, like I appreciate you guys, but here's a bunch of comics you don't know about. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I felt like. I remember like Rebecca O'Neill was on the list, Ray Holub, like all these like com- comics that were kind of younger at that time. You know, this is 2014. So yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like I got hired January 2014, so and I gave, <laughs> I just look at like the audacity of it. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Right. And like I gave <laughs> and like, I remember also like my first day, Cat Williams, they used to like on the TVs, they used to just have famous comics up and they had Cat Williams name spelled wrong. And I'm like, you guys are spelling his name. <laughs> like I would just do all this like dumb ass shit that I'm like, you were like GM from day one, yeah. like just fucking po- pointing out stuff that needs to be different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then like we switched it. We don't do it anymore, but for a while we just had like the local comics and like, I like that more, you know? And then I like, instead of their names, put their Instagram handle, their Twitter handle, like, you know? Yeah. So, you know, after six months, I moved up to like a night manager. There was another girl that was like a full-time night manager and I was assisting. And then like within a year and like two months, I became the like 
GM basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like Curtis and I, like we never, it's weird. Like it's weird to say t- like he's the director of operations and uh, I'm the GM, but we both kind of do everything. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I mean, we could fill each other's shoes if we had to. Yeah. You guys are like the odd couple. Him, him he could fill my shoes more than mine. Cause like some of the shit, like Curtis is incredible. Like some of the shit he does is just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. It's Fermi but, labs level. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have that background. I was thinking about that. Like you guys in- immediately started talking about like I think the I think dude, shit. I think driving <laughs> around and looking at castles is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was like a travel. I mean, traveling is like all you got to do is travel. You know, like you're not <laughs> if you're lucky enough to travel, you could travel. But uh, I don't know. I've been to almost thirty countries. That's pretty great. Yeah, I just I it's cool that you spent that much time in Germany. To be honest, yeah. I, I went over to Germany when I was living in France. I've been in, I've lived in France twice, okay. and uh, in 2013 I went and visited a friend of mine who was in uh, Baden-Württemberg okay. in uh, Germany. Yeah. And um, I, as soon as I got off the train in Mannheim, I was like, why the fuck have I spent this much time in France? Like, yeah. everything is clean here. Germany is beautiful. It's gorgeous. Beautiful. It's, it's gorgeous. And, like, the people are super nice. Yeah. Everybody drink. I went into this, I went into this place for breakfast in Hockenheim in this tiny town in, um, in the Rhine Valley. Yeah. And I, w- I asked this, and everybody speaks English. And I was like, I just everybody, everybody speaks English. And I was like, I want a German breakfast, just whatever a traditional Hockenheim breakfast is. And this breakfast, by the way, this restaurant had been open for four hundred years. It was like <laughs> six, sixteen something is when it opened. And you're like, yeah, and it's still I, the same the family. Somehow? Yeah, it's like still the same yeah, people. Yeah. It's 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 insane. And um. And she was like, uh, okay. And she, the, the waitress leaves and she comes back and she sets down a bunch of like meat and some rolls and cheese. And then yeah. she sets down a fucking flagon of, of wheat beer yeah. and just puts it in front of me. And I was like, this is, I said, miss, this is breakfast. Like I'm you. And I pointed at the beer and she goes, um, it is just a wheat beer. And right. like walks away. Like you fucking American. Right. Like what? It's nuts, man. Like that country is just It's great. I loved it there. I liked France a lot too. I, I didn't I mean I've been to Paris like three, four times, some of that, but I didn't love Paris. Paris is alright. I liked Avignon. Avignon. I yeah. Fucking loved it. It's though. gorgeous. That was like Did you go to the did you go to the Coliseum? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you go see where the Pope used to live? Yeah. We bought some of his wine. Like the uh, pa- yeah. they had like the papal, papal wine. De Pep. Yeah. 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 That all that stuff is like, man, that's the place is amazing because the thing about Europe is like it's it's just so much. People have such a different perception of history. Right. And I mean, like it, it. That's one of the things I appreciated about it a lot more is it feels like everybody's pace of life is a little more like, hey, look, uh, it's fine. Like, right. Everything's going to be everything fine. will be fine. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> We've in been America, through worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. In America, it feels like everybody's like. This is the hand- end of the world. Yeah, this is, everybody's living hand to mouth wherever they go. Yeah, yeah, that was the cool thing about it. Um, that's pretty awesome, man. I think I said this to Curtis too, but I feel like you guys have done a, a very good job of creating a unique personality for this space. Um, the comedians who who come here and who and who love this place really love it, and I think that like the people who come here to watch shows really love it. We and, always like I. I told Curtis this from day one. Like, if we make it a cool spot for people to hang out at, the shows will be good. Oh, yeah. That's all that matters. If you make it a cool spot, like, where people can come in, your bartender's cool, you know, there's, like, you never know what comics are going to be there, but you'll 
befriend everybody, yep. you know, and people just want to chill. I mean, we had our Christmas party this year. There was 200, over 200 people there. Yeah. And all comics. I fucking missed that. And I saw the photos from it on Facebook and I was like, God damn it. Shout out to Deep Eddie for sponsoring it because they sponsored <laughs> 200 people to drink. I mean, and eat. unbelievable. And Bader, uh, Chris Bader, he has a, a restaurant called Hubbard Inn and they, they provided food too and pizzas and stuff. That's so cool, man. Yeah. It's great. Like I, I love working here. It's uh it's one of the coolest things I've decided to do in my life. Like I you know, I think like eventually the time will come where I have to move on and like, you know, grow and like yeah, create, hopefully create, not too soon. Create my own thing, you know. Uh but yeah, no, I d I don't think any time soon, but you know, eventually I think that I have goals of I'd like to have my own chain of clubs. I'd like to have but they're gonna be different than anything that is out there right now because I have a different idea than what anybody's doing and I think it would work anywhere but uh and then also like I I get asked all the time to manage comics and like people I've I've gotten asked probably by at least 20 comics to manage them really yeah and so like eventually I think maybe I have to do that because if people keep asking me to do it then maybe because a lot of times I give my fucking advice for free like and it's Mm. not like I, I don't, people are like, well, you give all this advice, you should get paid or like, you should help me and like, you know, help me with my career. I'm like, I'll just help you with your career. Like if you just ask or like, I'll give you advice. That's all. That's all I want to do. I don't want to like charge for it. So I feel weird about the idea of that. Plus there's, yeah. I also don't want to like ruin relationships I have with comics. And I feel like once you become a manager, it's a very different. As soon as you have like a business relationship with somebody, it, it changes the nature of what, what's going on. Even the business. I feel that here, you know, like I went to a party one night and it was a comic party and a comic like was like, Oh man, it's weird to like be with you here. Like, you're just like, I don't know. You're, you you're like a real person. No, he's like, you have like uh, you're a gatekeeper and like all the shit. And I'm like, dude, like, no, thanks I'm, for why, why, why would you uh, make it weird? Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just chilling. I'm literally drinking with you right now. That's like, like that's like every bad date between a man and a woman. Yeah. It's like when the dude is like, you're like a gatekeeper to pussy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> But I'm like, no, there's no, there's no gatekeeper. You're your own fucking gatekeeper. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I, I'm like the person behind you pushing you through the gate. Like, yeah, that's, may, that's may, yeah maybe have some patience, man. People, people get pissed because like I fucking try to help new comics all the time. Like I've, I, since I started here, like it's something like, I mean, I don't want to say who, but a comic told me the other day, he's like, you don't even like, you used to like help us all the time. Like you would like, you know, watch our sets and give me credit and like help me on it. And I'm like... I don't know. Like, I feel like you're far enough now. Yeah. Like you understand <laughs> yeah, you comedy speak, enough. Yeah. Like you're really good at it. Like I want to help. Like there's this, there's always new fucking comics yeah. that are coming through. And I try to like, I try to give newer comics shows sometimes too. Like if you're creative enough, like if I think of a show idea and like I, for verified laughs, it's changed a bunch. Um, but I interviewed 15 comics for that show and I chose five originally. You yeah. Know? And then like, it's changed a little bit and different people have switched out and switched on and people have left the show and come back. But I did the same thing. Like we have highly recommended It's uh, Yeah. So I interviewed a bunch of people for that show. I got to get Janelle Murphy on this uh, podcast, by the way. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. She, um, I used to produce, manage, host, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the um, American Dream open mic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she took that over. Yeah, she loves that. Open yeah. Mic. She talks about it a lot. But she's 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 such a hard worker and like um but let me hold on i would this is the point i wanted to make was that you you i saw this curtis too is that you guys have done a very good job of developing talent 
internally here. Yeah. And and th- and that's a way that you do it is that you you give opportunities. I think you'll take shots on people who you're like you're, you're pretty funny. Got a good head on your shoulders. Let's try this out right. and just see how it goes. And like like, like you know, Abby Sanchez. Yeah. Abby was not working any rooms besides Laugh Factory forever. Like <laughs> he he got the Latino rooms, and that's like all they would book him at. I think Abby Sanchez is one of the best comedians in Chicago. Oh yeah, he, he like we just kept putting him up, man. Like because we believe in you. Like yeah. there's people like that. If uh, I mean Joe McMahon, most recently, like he, oh yeah, he was no doubt. not doing anywhere. I, mean, I don't even. I honestly, I don't know if he does anywhere else. Still. I don't know like, if he does either. And it's funny because like I've said more than one time on this podcast, and on any chance I get to say it when I talk about Joe, the funniest experience I've had in Chicago comedy is when I lived with Joe McMahon and Dave Metz, yeah, and just listened to Joe do commentary for Bar Rescue in the living room. <laughs> it's the funniest goddamn thing I've ever they seen. They had the Laugh Factory on the Bar Rescue once. He. <laughs> They did, yeah. Oh my God, yeah, really? Jamie, oh, that's right. Jamie came in. Yeah, and, that's like, right. Took over in the Las Vegas. From, no, it's for Arizona. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I knew it was. I knew it was west somewhere. Yeah, uh, that was the funniest goddamn. I used to go by. I would. I lived with them in their living room. I slept on the floor in like a pallet that they had from like a futon that no longer had a frame. And I would go around the corner. This was at Kenmore and Belmont, and go to Big and Littles and buy some food yeah. and grab some booze and come back. And then Joe and I would watch Bar Rescue, and I would literally laugh so hard I would cry. He's hilarious. I think his IQ is insane. Like, it must be. <laughs> it's a guy. It's a guy who. It must be so high he can't fit into like normal yeah, working, definitely not. like the yeah. working world. Yeah, yeah. That he's guy. A, he's an interesting guy. I, think, I mean, in his experience at, at uh, JFL this year, like I think it's so cool that he got it. Yeah. Yeah, he deserves it. There's, you know, and it was between him and somebody else. I'm not going to say who, but the other person deserves it too. They're both fucking hilarious. Like yeah. there was four people they were looking at and two people fit that mold and the Joe got it. And, uh, I was super proud of him like that. You know, it's same thing. Vince Bryant, like I fucking love Vince Bryant and he got it too. Like there's, we had 27 comedians at JFL this year that started in Chicago or currently live in Chicago. It's amazing. That's a huge number. Yeah. I mean, like, what you guys tried to do uh, and did with Industry Night, yeah. wh- I think is like is fantastic because it's the same thing. Like there there are so many very talented people here. And it's weird because my experience in the last like really in the last year since going to Edinburgh and doing the Edinburgh show, yeah. I've bounced back and forth between New York and L.A. and just gone to a ton of comedy shows in both towns. And what, what really blew my mind was how much i don't want to say more talented but there's a level of if you pick out any average comic in chicago anybody who's at the median like who's working the laugh factory or doing zanies i'm talking about anybody who's getting getting shows or getting booked if you pull any average one of them their own on any of those shows probably they would beat anybody in either new york la if you pulled the same like level of person well i always say it like this i think that chicago is like the duke university of comedy like you're gonna come here and you're gonna get the best that you can get out of any scene before you go pro oh yeah you know before you go to new york or la so if you look at any of our comics they i mean they tell us all the time like um curtis and i have a really good relationship with emilio from new york comedy club Mm. and he tells me all the time anybody that comes here from chicago let me know yeah. because they're always good. Dude, I mean like it's the same. I started doing um stand up New York yeah. in um in New York and yeah. it was I would go up and I don't know any of these people. I've run into so many Chicago comics there. Josh Johnson, I yeah. ran into recently. And um I none of the New York comics who are there like know who I am, but I would get up and I would just crush and then get off stage and people would be like, "Dude, what who where are you from?" Right. And I'd be like, "Yeah, I just uh from Chicago." 
and like they it's it's the same i ran into the poodle boss sisters at um uh, the comedy store yeah and same thing they were like everybody in la really respects chicago comedy because nobody here makes any money <laughs> right and everybody is grinding as hard as they can and there's so many fucking shows to do there's, there's a ton. so many shows to do like if you're talking about just showcases like there's so many in this city and they just always keep going like people keep creating a new one and they keep creating a new one there's so much comedy here i always i told curtis like a long time ago like i want to I want people to write about this place eventually. Like, I want this to be like, okay, like this was the time that Chicago comedy, because Chicago comedy wasn't like this in 2008. No. You know, it wasn't like this in 2012. It's, it's majorly heated up. It's in from like 2013, 14 till now. It's insane. Like the amount of comics that are here, there's gotta be, and if you include the suburbs, there's gotta be like 1500 comedians here. Yeah. Easily. It's like, that's, it's insane. It's nuts. And it's funny because like, they're all going places. Like I, um, I started a comedy show, uh, in my, in my house called, um, a house of jokes. And, uh, I haven't done it in a year, uh, because I moved into a new apartment, but I lived in an apartment that now John Norman, Luke Newman, uh, fucking, <sighs> That's the, by the way, that's the other thing that's hilarious about Chicago comedy. What was this? The apartments stay in the scene. <laughs> yeah, they so do. Like it's like the same. Like comics will just stay. Like it'll they rotate. no doubt do. Like, it's like you know, like the people that used to live in like Dude, our so Curie's real. apartment are, is like Dane Art now, and like it used to be like you know before that was Danny Callis's apartment. So funny. And, like the, the this apartment. is so real because I was the first comic to move into that apartment. Yeah. Then it was uh, Jake West, and then uh, John Norman moved in, and then it was. Um, fucking I feel I'm gonna start losing names in a second man uh it was uh he hasn't done stand-up in like a year but he used to work the laugh factory all the time uh burnout guy god damn it I'm not gonna remember it Burt Reynolds reminds me of him um whatever I'll remember it in a second burnout, Burt Reynolds. I know right anyway then it was uh then like Luke Newman moved in and then like uh just all these different now there's a ton of comics who live there but I started doing house of jokes and I remember I would have people from my day job would come out and uh, or I talk to them about the show and I'd be like, listen, you're going to come and see comedians who I guarantee you, you will see in the future. You will see them on SNL. You'll see them on shows. And lo and behold, S- Steve King, oh, yeah. uh, who did my house show now writer on SNL, yeah. like same kind of that guy's so creative. I w- did you watch his seven minutes in purgatory? Oh, my God, dude. Did you ever see that? He did a seven minutes in purgatory. Uh, it was it was at um, the hideout Ian Abramson show. You know that? Show? Yeah. Yeah. So like it. I have never seen anybody. I've watched that show. I've seen, I've been to that show maybe like five, six times and I've never seen anybody do what Steven did. He, (laughs) he literally fought ninjas like on the show. Like it was so stupid. Like it was on the roof of the hideout and he fought ninjas. And like, it was, he starts doing stand up, and then like all of a sudden he like gets close to the camera cause it's shot from a camera, you know? So like yeah, he's yeah. alone on the roof and then it's downstairs. The audience is watching downstairs on a TV. So he gets close to the camera and then he backs up and as he backs up, he's surrounded by like five ninjas. So he just, <laughs> <laughs> he has to tell jokes while fighting him. And then like it gets close again. Like, so and then it cuts away and he's throwing like, it looks like a, it's a dummy, you know, but it looks like a ninja and he's like throwing it off the roof. And then like, he's like covered it. He just ends the set. It's super funny. Yeah, he's so creative. He, that guy's amazing, man. Yeah. And like same thing, he did that house show and he like brought it to the ground, man. Yeah. And like it was it's just the same thing Joshua Dusania. Yeah. Joshua Dusania did my house show. I'm still buddies with him. He's on Netflix now. Yeah. Like he's it's insane like how much talent is moving through the city. Yeah. 
And I love it because now, like, I mean, all the comics that are from other towns are coming here. They're hitting me up. They're like, hey, like, can we do the lot? Like, we have Katie Hannigan here. Do you know Katie Hannigan? No. She just did Colbert. She's super funny. She's coming from New York next week. And, like, we just had Alex Pavone here. You know, Janelle James has been here a thousand times. Like, oh, yeah. Like, uh, for that, they just did the Netflix 15 minutes. Uh, I think five out of the, I think there was six comics. Five mm-hmm. out of the six comics have played this club. Dude, I mean, and even I forgot to mention Jeff, Jeff Curry, yeah. like did uh did a show that I produced with William Petit and Joshua Desanya. Now, of course, on Colbert. Yeah. Saw him. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. He came out to a party I threw for New York Television Festival. He's another guy great. that like we worked in really early and then he got like zanies after uh, and like he started getting like a lot more work. But like we worked him in like really early. I think oh, like, yeah. we had him hosting like pretty like early into his time here in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. From Sterling Heights, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, another Metro Detroiter. Yeah, we hung out. La- I was in New York in, like, November, and it was when he first moved there, and we hung out, like, for, like, two days. He's great. He's a uh, – dude, that guy is – he's so funny to just watch tell a story. Yeah. Like, anything he wants he's to do. He's gotten way better and better, too. That's the other thing. Like, I've, <laughs> I've just watched comics just become great. Like, that's – that's the coolest part for me, man. Like it just to watch somebody grow and grow and grow. And then like, once they figure out, you know, I think the biggest thing that comics don't do is study the business side. But once a lot of them start to figure out the business side and then they start to go, like it is fun to see, like, you know, getting great is like one thing. And then actually going, like watching, like, you know, Josh Johnson, when he got the tonight show, you know, like Josh Johnson and I are super close. So like when he got the tonight show, that was like a, amazing moment you know? oh yeah and then he gets the daily show and it's like oh this is what's happening in your career now right it's insane he stayed uh we hung out he stayed the night at my house like like two months ago right and we went to ufc together and we're talking and he's telling me he's like you know like i'm still not satisfied he's like i'm thinking about what's next like i need to get higher and higher and like i, d- I can't let my momentum die right now he's like i have my netflix 15 coming out that i filmed but like what's next? Like I need to keep going because now this momentum is like, you have to like go and like, I'm like, fuck yeah. Josh understands the business side of this because out of sight, out of mind, you know, it's so real. It's It's so real. And like, it's, it's once it's, once it's lost, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to get back. Yeah. Like, no, I totally, I totally see it. It's like one of the things that was a big lesson that I took away in Detroit was like, because I started so early, I was really funny. Mark Ridley put me up at the comedy cast all the time. And, I, I mean, he had me opening for people. He had me doing uh, everything. And I'm 16, 17 years old. Totally didn't appreciate it at the time. And I would see these comics, comic after comic, would um, they'd move to New York, L.A., move out of Detroit. Six months later, they'd be back. Yeah. And, like, it just was very – because they did not understand that this is a business. Like, doing the trick and doing it well is one thing, but figuring out people who are, are going to – hire you to do the trick is yeah. a whole other side of the thing. So that's why now I look at, to bring it back to social media, you have fucking social media so you can partner with these people because yeah. if you can get your following up before you even fucking go to anywhere, like, and now when you get to LA, you're taking actual meetings because people want you because they see like, Oh, undoubtedly your presence is. Yeah. And it's like, and you're funny on top of that. You know, if we you went can, dude in New York television festival, uh, Brendan Gay and I met Jabuki young yeah. whites, manager or not manager uh, agent okay from this guy from uh caa i think and um we I, met this dude real he, quick i read caa's book if you ever get a chance read it it's super fucking long but it is a great book what's it called um 
I forget the name of it, but it's just CAA. They have their own book. All right, like, I'm gonna read. I'll, I'll order it right after this. Um, but it, we met Jabuki's uh, agent, and uh, it was funny because like Brennan Gay and I are like, we, he, this guy starts talking about. It. He's like, you know, I see this comic. He's got a strange name. I'm in Brooklyn, and I'm like, this guy's really funny. He's talking. He's biracial. He's like. You know, he's like maybe bisexual, and I, and Brennan and I keep looking at each other like, is he talking about Jabuki? And then like, sure enough, he's like, yeah, no, and his name is Jabuki Young White, and we're like, oh my god, we start freaking out. Uh, but the point is, is that like the thing that was the linchpin is he's like, I looked him up on and on you know online and see that he has this huge Instagram following. Yeah, and you're like, that really that pushes it over, man. Yeah, it's what, and then at that point, you have the cards because it's not like. It's that's what you need on your that's side. So it's I, I listen super to, real. Like, man, if you ever listen to Kevin Hart, he has all the answers. I swear to God. Like, you just like study what Kevin Hart does. I've listened to his interview on WTF so many times. His that, okay, watch his Breakfast Club interviews. He drops mm. so many fucking gems on his Breakfast Club. But he talked about a while ago, and this is something that stuck with me: is that he uh, his social media following was so big that he has in his movie contract that if they want him to do any sort of social media for the movie, that they have to pay whatever their marketing budget was going to pay towards him. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so that's like a, a whole other like, dude, it's a, it's a next level is, shit. This it's is the this, same thing with the rock, man. Every, yeah. But everything's a partnership now. Yeah. The rock learned it from Kevin Hart. I, he did. So like, this is, Everything's a fucking business and a partnership, and you are creating your own thing now. Look at like Will Smith, right? Have you seen Will Smith's rise on Instagram? Have you seen this? No, no. no. Will Smith. Is, this is my version of the Star Wars fourteen-year-old. That, <laughs> uh, but Will Smith is huge on Instagram right yeah. now, and and it's happened in the last like seven months. Now, what he did is he hired a bunch of people to write for his Instagram. And he started with like these emotional speeches that other people wrote that he's giving. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's like an inside thing that like people <laughs> don't really fucking know, but like I know people that wrote for him. So then he does like, you know, that Kiki dance that got huge from Drake. Like is, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Will Smith did one, right? He actually did it in Paris on top of that. Um, what's it? The Arc de, Tri Arc de Triomphe. Yeah. He did it on top of that. Yeah. But, uh, his Instagram following is fucking huge now. And now that's going to lead him back into being a lead actor again in movies. Cause he was falling off oh, a bit big time. So now it's, it's the rebrand right now. Everything's about the rebrand for oh, yeah. like people. Like if you have a little bit of fame and now it's like, if you bring back Joe button, he has a following. So he created his own following again. And now he's getting this money from Spotify and it's the business side that matters. Like if you can get longevity on the business side, you're in comedy forever, dude. It's so real because, like they say, um, they say um, soldiers talk about tactics, generals talk about logistics. Yeah, and it's the same kind of. It's like these are the logistics. Yeah, how many people can you get onto your Instagram? Are your jokes good or not? That's great. That's the that's the bar to clear. Right. That's a barrier to entry. You don't get in the room if you can't hold an audience. Right. But after that point, what do you bring into the table? The other side of it is networking. You know? Yeah. So like, if you can, if you can bring to the table great networking you know and you don't have a ton of followers but you're great at networking and you're amazing at what you do then you might like like i don't think drew michael has a ton of followers but he has an hbo special now because bang he's good at networking and he's good at like he's really good at what he does too he's a great comic you know so yep. and he has a unique perspective and you know and you think about that like gerard like gerard michael wants to create a stand-up comedy special that nobody's ever done before right. and literally who else can you do it with but 
Drew Michael. Like a big question that all these guys ask from the New York Television Festival, these executives are why you, why now, why this, why now? What are you what are you doing that's different? Yeah, why you, what are you doing that's different? Yeah. Nobody could do Drew Michael special but Drew Michael. No, I think people could, but like <laughs> No, I just, I really do. Like, I think, like, you could do a version of it. I mean, like, yeah. you, Maria Bamford Look, let did me it put in it front this of way. her parents. You Nobody, know, like, no, that special is unbelievably so good. So that's what I'm saying. So, like, there's a, there's, there's a version of, okay. you know, like, I think people could do a special alone. Like, it was shot amazingly. Drew did it in his unique voice. There you, you know go. What that's, like, what I'm, I, Drew, that's what I'm saying. Is that if it had been a, I don't know another comic apart from Drew that it would have worked with as well. Does yeah. that make sense? Sure. I mean, I, I, I have like, faith I feel like you're not a hundred percent agreeing with because me. I have faith in a lot of <laughs> comics. You know, I think like, right. com- comics are really creative, you know, sure. and, like you can, you can do anything. Like, I think that, uh, Drew is the first to do that. And that's mm. fucking amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like that is what is the coolest part is that he is the first guy to actually do this. It's going to be interesting to see because I think that this couldn't have happened without Maria Banford's special. Sure. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen after this. It's it's that you you throw in things like you ever seen Chelsea Peretti's special in San Francisco where she's just like. No, but she, she's keep, amazing. But they keep cutting to the audience and people are doing different things in the audience the whole time. <laughs> like it's insane. Like in that that to me is like they're just it's taking what stand up is and just changing the idea of it's just a you need an audience or you just need uh-huh. like, this is what's supposed to happen. You know, it's the jokes and you cut to an audience laughing and then you cut back to the person. Like it's changing that whole perception of what it is, you yep. know? And that's what, I don't know. You can do that forever. So like everything just keeps building off that. What is the next thing? You know, like I think somebody's doing a special from Instagram, you know, like I think yep. that that needs to happen. I think it's going to happen. I think I'm really interested in somebody who hears this is going to fucking jack this idea, but I really want to do a stand up comedy special that's entirely takes place inside of Uber. Yeah. And it's a stand up comedy special where a dude gets in an Uber pool and every thing is just the guy doing stand up in the You Uber should do that pool. right now on Instagram. Yeah, I, that's exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm already talking to people about it, like because I really want to do it, um, really bad, and or at a corner or in, on the L, or I mean Clay Herbert does stand up on the L, like it's the same. Oh man, how about uh, like if you could take it, like you have to. So you, this is really cool. <laughs> you, you have to take it. I wish I wish jokes and notes was still open, so that's what yeah. I'm thinking. But you have to take like an Uber for a, an Uber pool from like jokes and notes all the way to like if Evanston, like if there was a club in Evanston, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. you start and you, you're going to go across the whole city in an Uber pool and then just do doing the, your stand up. But it's from club to club, club in yeah. between. Like, that's, you know, all, that's a great idea. Yeah. That, See, like that's, that's the kind of shit that hasn't been done, but you're like, where does, where can comedy exist that people want to, cause I swear to people would watch that stand up special right. because it would be so interesting. People would get out, they would come in, they would like, you do the jokes. They'd like, and even with a, such a small group of people, it, it, it would be very interesting to see what works and what doesn't, who gets in, who gets out, like all that stuff. It's very fascinating. The whole time, like, uh, the dri- you'd have to keep the driver laughing. Oh, yeah. You'd have to keep that <laughs> guy going. You the- hope you get the right driver. Yeah, like, right. Oh, that'd be terrible. I wonder if they drop you <laughs> off in between. You have to get yeah. another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, man. I'm canceling this ride. <laughs> Oh man, Brian. Uh, we should wrap up, man. Yeah, this thing's about to die. Me. This was awesome. This was a good time. Uh, we got to do this again sometime because this yeah. was, really was a was this was a lot of fun. And like, uh, 
I think it's been nice because you and I haven't really had a substantial conversation, right. but I yeah, feel I know. like Curtis like was like, Oh, I'm, we're friends. I'm sorry. I don't hang out with you. I was like, I've, I don't think I've ever had like a real <laughs> conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Curtis, was, it was so fun. He's just so nice. Like he's so nice. And I that's feel why like we're good polar opposites. Cause people think I'm mean <laughs> and they think he's very, very nice. Curtis is lovely. And, uh, I, and I have to admit I've had, I've, I know him better than of I course, know you, yeah, yeah. but it's just very funny because like he was same thing. He's like, man, I'll put this off. I like blah, blah, blah. And in my head, I was like, does he think we're better friends than we, <laughs> <laughs> like we are or something? Like, <laughs> well, that's because he's so nice to everybody. He's just, oh like my a, God, he's man. super nice. <laughs> Dude. Well, thank you so much. Uh, where can, where do you want people to either follow you or, or, or jump on or, or come to the laugh factory. We're open seven nights a week. Uh, laugh factory.com here in Chicago, around Belmont and Broadway. Uh, yeah, I think I mean, I, if you I, want to follow me on Instagram, it's <laughs> BDMCHI. BDMCHI. Yeah. Uh, BDMCHI on Instagram, uh, Laugh Factory. I think I can link that in the show notes. Yeah. So. Or uh, don't follow me, though, because it's weird. But because <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything for you yet. It's, uh, but yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much, Brian Morton, everybody. Yeah, uh, it's weird to shake hands on a podcast. I know, a little bit, right? We, we have to like announce that we're shaking hands because people wouldn't know. Nobody would know. <laughs> yeah. It's not live. There's no camera here. <laughs> it felt genuine, though. <laughs> I do. I was, this was great, man. It's fun to watch you smile because otherwise I'm like, I think Brian wants me dead. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> just, all yeah, right. Wow, I need to smile more. All right. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, man. Meanwhile, the madness continues. <laughs>